and welcome to episode 5 of the Developing Strategy podcast. This week, once again, we'll be talking about the external environment and the episode will be split into two sections. So in the first section, we're going to introduce a tool that will help you brainstorm the forces that might be shaping your external environment. And in section two, we're going to bring together all the tools we've learned so far with a couple of examples. So without further ado, hi, Dad. How are you doing this week? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Great. Right. Okay. so um, we've been talking about two aspects of the external environment. The first was how to segment the business. Um, we're going to use airlines a bit this week. So, you know, you could segment that in various ways, for example, Europe versus the US or different countries within Europe um, or low cost um, versus sort of high um, service, whatever. Um, that's examples of segmenting the market. And then we've talked about how to think about the attractiveness of the market using Porter's Five Forces, which is generally pretty unfavourable for airlines. And we did talk about that last week, but it would vary a bit by market. Um, Some markets actually are quite um, monopolistic almost, perhaps due to regulation, which gets us to our third point, which is there is a general context within which all of this is happening. And I like to focus actually on the kind of business nitty gritty of how to segment the market how attractive is each segment is in terms of size, growth and profitability. But at some point, it's very important to look more broadly and understand the context within which all that is happening, both to understand why things are the way they are today, um, but also as the platform for then thinking about how might that trend in the future, which we'll get to later on because it's actually question three is how all of it will evolve. So let's start with the airlines um, as an example and introduce the tool we're going to use. It's it's a pretty popular one, and most people know it, so I'm going to go through it fairly quickly. It's the PESL framework, sometimes called the PEST or the STEP framework, depending on uh, exactly the components and the order they're in. PESL stands for Political, Economic, Social, Technological, Legal, yeah, I nearly forgot, and Environmental uh, Factors. Uh, It used to be a pest analysis or step analysis, then they added legal and environmental. And uh, let's let's illustrate that. And what we're going to do is say, how do those six factors shape the industry that we're talking about, airlines? So we talked last week about how, um, for example, there can be quite a lot of impact on from the politics of, uh, of, of a country which could influence the general deregulatory environment. But to be honest, airlines, there is some political involvement. I mean, Alitalia is sort of perhaps purchased by the Italian state when it goes bankrupt, whereas the Swiss government chose to let um, Swiss Air just go bankrupt. So, But that tends to be somewhat infrequent. I think it's more the legal and the regulatory framework, which, which is a big issue, and that comes later on. So some political influence generally is as, as a, you know, there are some political factors going into the regulatory environment. And, and just in, for our viewers, the, the distinction between politics and <clears throat> legal, which yeah. is later in the PESA framework, where does that really lie? Yeah, it is a bit of a grey area, isn't it? But I would say political would be more when politicians directly intervene okay. in an industry, um, for example, the management of a national oil company or something like sure. that. Okay. Um, you know, which tends to happen a bit less in, in certain economies and quite a lot in, in other economies. Great. Um, <clears throat> so the next one is economic. And yeah, absolutely, the airline business is affected by economics in the sense it's very cyclical. It tends to go up and down a lot. Um, 
Overall, it tends to grow a bit faster than the economy, but it, it has big lows as well as big highs, which, which is a problem because people build up capacity in, in the hope that this time it'll be different and then it isn't. Um, on the social side, I guess you could say that these days traveling on airlines is more and more regarded as a basic good. There's some sort of social factors there. It's not a huge factor myself, I would say. Um, on the technology side, actually, it's a very mature industry. The only changes in technology, I would say, at the moment have been around um, the Internet and making it a much more competitive business. Mm. But actually, within the industry, we're still flying similar planes to, to what we were flying back in the 50s or the 60s. Um, then the legal, and here's a big issue. I think the legal and regulatory environment is enormously important. I mean, before you were born, Charlie, um, it used to be a highly regulated industry, very monopolistic. So you could earn pretty good returns as it was a monopoly. Uh, and then it was deregulated in many markets, uh, for example, the US and Europe. And it became a bit of a bloodbath because it's a very competitive business. And that's very shaped by regulation. Uh, I mean, up to quite recently, for example, the London-Moscow was still a regulated route. And so, you know, pretty profitable, certainly high cost to fly. Mm. Um, I think that's been changed now. So so I think the legal side and the regulatory environment, absolutely critical. And environmentally, not a big issue at present, but you can see there are pressures on the industry there for it to um, do something about the high level of emissions and their impact and the high growth rate. So that's an example of how to apply the PESTLE framework. It's, it's fairly simple. And the way to use it is um, something we're going to cover in the second part, because it's really part of the whole of evaluating the external environment. So I'll, I'll leave a little bit till then. OK, sure. Uh, one question I have on this, and it's more <coughs> a point of clarification. Yeah. Let's think about the airline industry. One of the features of that industry, you might say, yeah. um, is the rise of the low cost model over yep. the last few <clears throat> decades right mm -hmm. and i'm struggling to see how that fits into the framework i'm sure the framework describes it and explains it yeah. in some way but how does that actually filter through yes so um good question i mean the pestle is very much the context within which the industry develops okay. so um there is a link in that like i said deregulation allowed a whole new bunch of people to enter the market who didn't have the same interests as the old established players who were basically trying to just share capacity perhaps you know the british airways would share capacity with the american airlines and they'd each take 50 percent and keep the prices high then new entrants started coming in and they've actually been trying to come in there was a there was an actually a uh, some somebody called laker uh, started laker airlines which was a low-cost service to the u.s but it wasn't really successful until there was a commitment to deregulation so what you can see is that the context affects the the five forces it made it it lowered the barriers to entry for mm. example which meant that rivalry increased um and that had a big impact and allowed what was actually a natural business to emerge right which had been restricted by regulation before got it so it's these kind of cover the forces that shaped the rise of the low cost yeah so it's almost like these are the forces that shape the five yeah. forces yeah. the five cool. forces are what happens in that marketplace um, and that's a sort of an economic view of competition and, and what it does to profit margins and, and so on. Um, and outside of that are, are these, these, these pestle factors which are influencing those five forces. And I know you want to discuss kind of how you use this tool in the second half of this yeah. podcast, but just very quickly, yeah. 
I think we've described well what Pestle is, what yeah. it does, but I'm not quite clear on exactly how you use it. So what's the goal? What is the outcome of this Pestle brainstorm? Is it just right. being able to describe the forces shaping your market at the moment? Is it describing how things will evolve? Yeah, I mean, and I might be jumping ahead a bit. Yeah, so. I think we are jumping ahead, but I'll, very shortly it's to say it's to understand why the forces are the way they are so that you can understand the root causes. So you couldn't understand why margins are so low in airlines without understanding something about the regulatory framework, Um, which, by the way, can work for you because, for example, airports, I think, as we mentioned last week, are prevented from just charging whatever price they like by regulation, which means that you as an airline have a better chance of making and keeping some of your money than if the airports could just price up the cost of a landing slot whenever it becomes valuable. Okay, I see. And <clears throat> you're talking about profitability, so I'm already thinking about Porter's Five Forces. So yeah, sure. I'm going to say let's move on to the let's second half on. of the podcast then and, and think about bringing these, these ideas together. Um, I don't know what the most useful way of doing this is, but maybe if you could sort of lay out the overall structure of how the tools yeah, fit together. So, well, we've talked a bit about airlines. So let me talk about how you might do an analysis of an airline market. So let's say you're uh, Richard Branson and you're looking to enter, if he's not there timely already, example. the Indonesian airlines market. <laughs> timely example. Um, so it's a new market relatively for you. You you, you need to think it through. So, so I my recommendation is that to answer the question... Um, um, you know, what is the external environment, you need to answer three questions. How does it segment? What's the attractiveness of each segment? And what are the broader forces shaping that um, that segment? So, and, and we've introduced the tools to do that. So segmentation, it's like any other market. You might look a little bit regionally, like flights in and out of Jakarta, in Indonesia might be rather different to flights between remote islands. Um, and so you'd create your segments and there'd be business versus the, versus the normal traveller, um, as well as these different regions and so on. Um, so having segmented the market, you could then look at the attractiveness of each market using Porter's five forces, oh, sorry, of each segment. Uh, you'd maybe look, maybe it's actually pretty profitable to fly between certain islands because if you've got that route, Maybe you're a monopolist. So you'd lay that out and you'd say, oh, you know, actually it might look really competitive and tough to fly from Jakarta, but we'd rather focus on other routes or maybe it's the other way around. And you do your five forces and look at the size and the growth and the, the profitability of each segment. And then, and you might not do it exactly in this order, but you then say, mm, I wonder why it's like that. Well, maybe you find that actually flights between islands are heavily regulated and only one carrier is allowed but that carrier therefore can make a good sum of money. Or maybe the regulation means they can't make a good sum of money. Um, So you would understand using the PESTLE framework, the broader context within which that industry is is, um, shaped. Um, Now, obviously, you can do this in any order. Why do I do it in that order? Because it kind of gets to the guts of things quickly. You think about segments and what you really want to look at, then that focuses you on 
uh, okay, where do I need to really think about attractiveness? It's only on the major segments. I don't look at it, need to look at everything. And I finally come to the pestle to explain more about what's going on. If I start with a pestle, I just get a very long sort of academic mm. dissertation about every aspect of politics in Indonesia, which might be, you know, completely irrelevant for most of what I'm right. interested in. And so I kind of suggest that order. But and the segmentation, I guess, implies that you have some, at least some knowledge of the market. So yeah. it doesn't quite warrant like a, a detailed analysis of the yeah. environment. Yeah. Well. And occasionally, you know, you just know so little, you say, like, I just need to read stuff for a couple of weeks or something before I even begin to do that. But yeah, I, I like to start off with a prior hypothesis. It's something like the airlines business, you know, they are quite similar across different markets. I'm sure uh, Branson and his crew have a pretty good mm. way of thinking about a new market that they might okay. enter. Okay, um, and and that structure makes sense, and it's obviously the order in which we've presented the podcast, which is helpful. Yeah, I'm just my query is really on that that last step of using the pestle analysis to understand deeper yeah. why things are the way <clears> they are in, in yeah. the Indonesian market in this example. Why is that such an important step? Like you've you've highlighted the attractive markets. You've said this is the size, growth, profitability mm. of each, and this is our competitive positioning within each. Why do you need to do that seemingly somewhat extensive process mm-hmm. afterwards where mm-hmm. you're actually looking into understanding why they're that way? Uh, excellent question. And there is a danger of just sort of doing too much analysis. But if you don't understand the starting point, when you come to thinking of how might all this evolve, which is question three. And that's critical Mm. in strategy because your strategy is for a future world, not for the current world. If you don't have a really good understanding of why today is like it is, you're probably going to louse up your, your, your projection for the future. So it's your starting point. That's number one. Number two, you should be able to get facts about today but you can only speculate about tomorrow. You could be a very educated guesser, but you're still guessing. Mm. So I like to kind of start with what is real and known, and that's question one and actually question two, before moving to how might all this evolve. Otherwise, what you find is lots of projections of what might happen. Yeah. But you think, but, you know, how well grounded is that? Mm, You don't have the historical. Yeah, so I have a bit of a bias there, whereas other people will tend to lump everything into one. They'll say, do a situation assessment. And it means external and internal and both today and tomorrow. Uh, I just find that it's better to pick it apart, at least mentally, so that you're, you're, not, um, you're, you're not confusing conjecture and guesswork with facts. Mm, okay. Another question I have on this is around the kind of step two, understanding the attractiveness and your positioning in each segment into step three, mm. the, the pestle analysis. Mm. Surely to understand your competitive positioning, and you even said earlier in this podcast that Porter's Five Forces can be thought of as a sort of a product of doing the PESOL analysis. Mm. How can you conduct all of that on the attractiveness and and say these are are better position segments without having the detailed analysis afterwards? Or is it more of an iterative process? It's really more of an iterative process. I'm just trying to make the point that if you want to go for the jugular, don't start by asking somebody to do a yeah. pestle analysis for Indonesia because several months later they'll come back with loads of stuff and you think, well, about a quarter of this of any relevance at all. So it, it kind of you get more focused the way I've described. But you're absolutely right. You you know, but you if you do it the way I've said, you might realise something has come up in the pestle analysis, which means you have to go and rethink a bit about how to segment the market, maybe because 
actually within Indonesia, there's different regulatory regimes in different parts of it, and you hadn't factored that into your segmentation. So th- the whole thing does have to be iterative. Okay. And you're probably not going to like this question, because <laughs> it's very dependent on a lot of things. But, I mean, how do you typically imagine this process playing out in terms of timelines mm. and who's involved mm. and Excellent what each question. step actually entails obviously it's different for Richard Branson right. versus <clears throat> the baker but um yeah but how do you imagine that working in, in practice yeah well this is something we'll get to a bit later which is actually you don't sometimes need to do sometimes you don't need to do this step at all because if you already know that stuff because it's your core market and you really understand it well it's known. So, you know, get on to the next question. So prior knowledge is critical. If you have prior knowledge, you might not need to do anything. If you don't have prior knowledge, you're going to have to work. And the amount of work you do depends a little bit on how easy the information is to get, how important it is to be right, how much information you need to gather. In general, you know, we might spend several weeks doing a strategy study, which included an analysis of the environment. And, you know, that would be a bit of a rush job where at the end you'd think, oh, I wish I could test out this and this and this. So perhaps over a period of years, even things become clearer. But I'd say it's it's something like several weeks for a thorough analysis where you're doing a thorough analysis of your current market or a new market. Months is, you know, stretching it out a bit and days well, you better know most of the answers before you before you start. And you talked in the first episode about the importance of involving, engaging people across the organisation. Yeah. Is this kind of analysis something that you need to do that for? Or is this just actually probably quite closely combined to a certain group of individuals in, mm. in the organisation? Well, that's a good question. It's obviously very situation dependent, but actually normally these analytical parts of the process where you're just trying to gather facts and make sense of them are done more in a small group and then presented to a larger group. If there's a lot of very controversial stuff in there, then you may well want to debate it with different people who could be, you know, different people in the sales force or it could be between the CEO and the chairman, depending on the nature of the disagreement, because perhaps that's a critical issue. Just understanding your current market is not so clear. Um, but it's unlikely that you sort of want to bring everyone through a lot of debate about something that could conveniently be summarized and play back to them. You probably want more debate about questions um four and five well maybe three four and five which is how's this whole thing going to evolve Mm. uh what's the primary issue or issues facing the company um what are the options you know this is where i think typically engagement's more important okay to get people on board sure i I think that's probably quite a good point to to end if i can sort of summarize what we've learned so hopefully being helpful um for our listeners to understand how those ideas relate to one another and how they might be used together Um, And I'd say, correct me if I'm wrong, Dad, but by this point, you should have made sense of the external environment and I guess Mm -hmm. teed up a number of important decisions you want to make. So Mm -hmm. you have those laid out in your segments Mm -hmm. and you have some idea of the attractiveness um, and kind of your positioning for each of those segments. Is there anything you'd add to that? I think the only other thing is, uh, if you remember, we actually had uh, an episode on the strategy matrix. And this is kind of where we're aiming to get to. Okay. Currently, we've only thought about the attractiveness dimension of the strategy matrix. The next part is, what's our chance of success? So Richard Branson's done his analysis. He segmented the Indonesian market. He knows which bits are attractive in a general sense. But he hasn't really worked out where he can be successful. 
which might be a combination of competitive advantage, perhaps, you know, access to key politicians, I don't know. Um, and that's what we're going to turn to over the next uh, podcast or two. Okay, great. And it will be summarised in the strategy matrix. That's where we're going to end up at the end of really questions one and two. Okay, perfect. Well, I look forward to it. Um, and to everyone listening, thanks very much for tuning in again and see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Please, please remember to rate us as it really helps us out. And also check out our Facebook page or website at www.developingstrategy.com where you can ask questions, learn more, find all the episodes in this series.